The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. At times it seems like when you work on your professional career, your personal life seems to fall behind. Then, when you work on improving your personal obligations, the professional part of your life begins to suffer. Is there any way to keep them both humming along at a successful pace? Welcome to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. We'll take the guesswork out of which part of you is more important and show you the success stories of others that can help you realize that you can manage it all. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. And welcome to Master Your Life. I am co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, and today with my co-host, Leah Mattinson, we're going to have a very special guest to talk about wellness. But first, Leah, how was your week? Oh, wow, my week was, <laughs> my week was full of problems and opportunities. And I think, uh, like we like to start out the show, Howard, and ask people to consider who am I and who is it that I want to be. Uh, in my life, I have been blessed with um, uh, stepchildren uh, and a, v- a variety of ages. And my youngest two daughters um, had competing uh, activities this weekend. So last show, if anyone listened, we were at the Calgary Stampede, which is kind of a world-renowned uh, stampede. It's, I think it's the second largest in uh, North America. And we just were um, really blessed that our youngest daughter uh, is a trick rider, and she's actually really good. Uh, So she uh, needed her hair braided, and my second youngest uh, daughter was turning 18 also this weekend. So uh, I was pulled as a mom in a couple different directions, as well as, you know, wanting to be uh, a good uh, partner for my husband and, and all these things. So it just was an interesting week of uh, positioning all the things that I was doing in my head as who who do I want to be, and uh, sometimes I haven't been a hundred percent successful. That's for sure. Uh, but focusing really clearly on that this week, I, I feel like I navigated through it fairly well, being able to French braid the hair of the youngest and also figure out party plans for the oldest, and <laughs> that and, and that I really had lots of support and help to do that. So. I was grateful, and uh, my the youngest one second, and and so it was a, a very very big celebration, and we were really proud of all of our kids. That's for sure, uh, and so that was kind of my week, and I'm ready for a break. <laughs> so, so how was your week, Howard? <laughs> when you know, I wasn't at a stampede, um, and uh, it sounds very uneventful compared to yours. Uh, but I guess I guess what you're saying is, you know, we need to be mindful all the time of what we want to be doing and and who we are and how we manifest that, right? And that's not always uh, the case when we're facing adversity. It's it's when people need us um, and and how we're going to respond. So, yeah, I'm sure you did a fantastic job this weekend with your kids, and I'm sure it was a wonderful time. I wish I could have been there. Um, Yeah, and it's about awareness, and if we want to be well, 
if we want to get the most out of our lives, I think it is important about asking that question of who do I want to be and how do I get there. And today's guest, Dr. Larry Mastrogianis, is a long-time psychologist and educator, 30 years experience in mind-body wellness, disease prevention, and mental health. I had the privilege of meeting her um, a short while ago, a year or so ago, helping her um, with some editing on some written material she was working on. Uh, I was very, very impressed and I'm thrilled to have her on the show today. Laurie, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Yeah. And uh, I know your some of your story is you obviously we've all got a personal journey and you've had some struggles along the way and in those struggles, the combination of the experience of those struggles plus your own sort of vast knowledge of health and wellness, you have used those struggles to develop um, your Stars of Wellness program uh, and other tools to help people. So tell us a little bit about your your journey and how you got to some of these tools that you now share with hundreds of your clients. Um, I, I sort of describe it as the, the gauntlet of uh, well-being. <laughs> you know, struggles <laughs> are sort of like those tests of um, are you going to make it through or are you going to be knocked down? And um, my first struggle started when I was in my mid-20s. I'm in my mid-50s now, so I was diagnosed with a, a potentially life-threatening bone tumor. And I had been counseling people who were, um, you know, this was in 1989, who were also facing similar situations, and suddenly I found myself in that same boat. And um, it was right at the the time when um, mind, you know, um, mind over matter, um, visualization, a lot of the the research on the uh, potential to heal yourself was really beginning to emerge. There were some great books out, um, uh, Love, Medicine, and Miracles. You can heal your life. And I was, uh, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I was so ready. I needed it. Um, my daughter had, was three years old, and, you know, my great motivation for wanting to heal my life was to see her live a full life. And so I really um, dove into all the literature on um, behavioral medicine, on self-healing, and um, had the great opportunity also to go out to Harvard and study under Herbert Benson, Dr. Herbert Benson's uh, program in the relaxation response. And that was what really started it. Um, and I thought sort of I was going to enjoy um, a chapter of my life life that was what I call my Zen happy life. And uh, then I hit a patch where, boy, there were a series of dark hours of the soul of unexpected uh, losses, uh, burdens of betrayal, blindsided by events in life that I never, I never foresaw. And um, while facing the challenge of coping with that, I realized I needed to draw on what I had learned when I uh, was faced with the challenge of my illness. Right, so you had this uh, experience in your mid twenties with your with having a potentially life threatening um, bone tumor. Is yeah. that what you said, Lori? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you and a three year old daughter at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was uh, actually finishing up my master's degree and doing my internship, so it was a very very busy stressful time in my life. I had absolutely no time for adversity, but you know that's oftentimes when it shows up. Well, that's that's for sure, and it's and it's shown up just to give the listener a sort of a better perspective of your journey. It's shown up um, other times in your life too. Do you want to tell us about a couple of those other challenges you've had? 
Yeah, yeah. Real quickly, um, so I try not to focus on the adversity because I, I like to view it as the catalyst to, you know, a deeper consciousness. But I, I went through some really tough, some tough situations. I was teaching at the School of Medicine. I was a full-time professor and very sudden and unexpectedly during the recession of 2009 found out that the funding for my position was no longer there. And with one day's notice, I was suddenly unemployed. And and uh, uh, lost, you know, lost my research, lost my connection with my students, lost my job, and I, um, you know, I, I, I didn't see it coming. It was very, very abrupt, very sudden. And um, as I found myself trying to find a way to cope with it, I also discovered that I was being paid significantly less than my male peers, and so suddenly I was being um, challenged by what felt like an institutional betrayal. Um, couldn't believe that that had happened to me, and. Um, you know, that led to some, some tough uh, social change, social justice positions that I had to take, and that was really stressful. And, you know, knowing that I'm somebody who has to really be careful with stress because of my past experience in my mid-20s, I, I needed, I needed a, a wellness model to navigate me through the nitty-gritty of that, and that was when I birthed the STARS of Wellness model. So, so prior to that, uh, Lori, um, I love the way that you say the, uh, that you don't like to focus on adversities. I always think of them as problems and opportunities also because that seems like a, a, better, way, a better way to be able to navigate through them. I'm just curious, uh, we talk lots about uh, how, how our childhood forms, kind of how resilient we are and the kind of the magic age between zero and eight um, being really an important uh, part of, of our resilience. Is there anything that you can think of from back then? And the reason I bring it up is because I think that for parents who are listening in, just to understand how important it is to kind of build resilience in those, those kind of years. Do you have any sort of input or, or sight about yourself from in those ages that would have helped you? So I was um, I was a middle third of seven kids and mm. it was pretty uh, it was a pretty intense household. There was a mm-hmm. lot of fun and there was a lot of fighting, and um, I had a speech impediment. So I was a very shy, very anxious child. And um, I, I I guess I think what what helped me to find my resilience was in meeting those challenges without being sheltered or without being rescued. Um, you know I. I I think that in um, you know in, in facing those stressors in my youth, I developed sort of that um, uh, stress immunity. You know that exposure to some challenging stuff. There was a lot of embarrassment with not being able to talk right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to face that, and you know I guess if anything, it was um, you know finding that inner strength. Um, a lot of that though happened in, when you know when I became an adult, when I could um, you know I navigated towards the field of psychology. I think just to sort of help me to understand um, some of the you know those inner child challenges, um, and um, you know uh, in the process of discovering some of the pieces of my puzzle, it's nice to be able to share that with others. Wonderful. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. So you've, you've had these adversities, and I agree with both of you, of course, that adversity is really a challenge that helps you grow. Uh, obviously, that's how you want to focus on it. And so you learned a lot in your studies, and you started to put together this program that would help you, um, but also help other people. So tell us a little bit about the elements of that model. 
Yeah, so it, it's uh, based on the whole person model of, of, of care and psychological care or health care or self-care. And that whole person model is that um, we are multidimensional beings. We have this biology that really determines a lot of our physical experience. We have a psyche that experience, that that determines a lot of our emotional and mental experience. And we have social relational connections that um, have a lot of um, um, input into our, our feeling of connection or love. And uh, the fourth dimension, which is really exciting because I, I sort of have seen the birth of it in the field, is the spirit or the, um, the role of our spirituality. And, um, you know, that is is a really exciting role because one of the things that I think that I discovered in all of the challenges of my life is that there was a resilient spirit within me that knew when the going got tough how to, you know, how to get through it. And it wasn't an easy journey, you know. It's not just a simple think positive thought. It's about overcoming that instinct to want to fight back when you've been treated in an unjust way. And, you know, that's a really powerful um primitive survival instinct within each of us. And so, you know, those dark hour of the souls are not to be um, taken lightly. When you look back on it, it seems like it was such, you know, such a catalyst, but it really was a challenge. And I could, and there were so many times I could have seen myself falling in to that pit of um, anger, despair, negativity, being jaded by, by the events that had happened in my life. Um, and that was the big challenge. And every day, it's a constant battle. So you mentioned, Lori, I think that I would like to pick up on this, the mention of the spirit of resiliency and, I, and that you have that. I, do you think that everybody has that? You know, it, hmm, that's a great question. I think we all have it to some extent. Some of us, maybe those early childhood challenges um, put me in quicker touch with it. You know, I knew when I, when I got knocked down that I had to rely upon myself to pick myself up and navigate my way through so there was no dependency on others. That was a favorable thing from my childhood, you know, that sort of self-reliance. Um, I think we all have it in us, but sometimes we've got to dig a little bit deeper to find it, you know, based upon our, our life experiences. And, and that's where a psychologist like myself comes in is that, you know, we can navigate people to that journey of finding their inner strength and, and increasing it. Yeah, and I, I, I do think it's also part of the exposure. You know, what are we exposed to? I, I'm mindful here of Ken Pelletier's book, uh, Sound Mind, Sound Body, in which he interviewed 50 famous people and very successful people to see how they manage their health and wellness. And as you know, one of the things he found in that book, he interviewed them, and virtually every one of those people had a severe setback in their youth which enabled them to learn and get in touch with resilience. And that was one of the key factors in their success. And I'll tell you, that's really important. I'm a mother. My daughter now is uh, fully grown. She's in her early 30s. And there were a lot of times when I would witness the struggles that she might have. Boy, I wanted to jump in and make it better for her. I wanted to fix it. I wanted to protect her. I wanted to go out and fight those battles for her. But I knew that I couldn't do that. As hard as it was to rein that in, I couldn't do that. What I could do was guide her on how to find those strengths within her 
and um, you know, and how to apply them. But boy, as a parent, it's one of the hardest things to stand back and inspire and watch them struggle, knowing that that exposure is going to be what they need to make it in their adult lives. Absolutely, and and you know that is such a such an important such an important point. Um, and the difficult part of parenting is is a to have the emotional resilience yourself, uh, and then to be able to stand back and let your children deal with it and and watch them make those mistakes and learn. Absolutely, and I just want to weigh in a little tiny bit by saying that it's like the the key takeaway for me is that. Um, sometimes we fail at being resilient and the, then you dig that little bit deeper and sometimes there's a pause that you, that, that, that's the spiritual piece of work that people need to understand that sometimes there is a weight and a lag and that it's okay to have a few failures but to continue to um, paint that picture again of who do I want to be in this situation so that you can figure out how to get get back up and kind of dust your knees off and carry on. So um, I just wanted to pitch that in, that we're not always perfect 100% of the time, <laughs> that, that resiliency is uh, falling down lots. <laughs> and I, I like what you're saying too, Leah, because there's another element to this, and that is the mystery of the timing of the bounce back. You know, and um, I, I, um, I, have, I found that when I was really struggling with, you know, when, am I gonna, when is all this going to come back together for me? Because um, subsequently after that little social um, injustice chapter of my life, I um, was um, exposed to, some, to an environment that affected my physical health. And, and so I kept feeling like, okay, so I'm moving forward and then I'm being set back. What is going on here? And that's, I think, when, the, when you start to question your own resilience. Yeah, absolutely. So after the break, when we come back, we're going to hear more in detail about your styles of wellness and the things that you have learned to help you be resilient and tackle all the challenges in life. We'll see you after the break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You 
are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin along with Leah Mattinson and today our guest is Dr. Larry Mastrogianis who is a psychologist, an educator in mind-body wellness and she's been telling us about her own journey and one of the things that I know, Laurie, about you that is important is how nature uh, uh, nature plays in very much into your schema, into your perception and into your treatment. Yes, it does. It really does. So, um, you know, the holistic approach really is grounded in as best as possible a natural approach to to getting well and feeling well. And so, you know, I've sort of been um, oriented to that uh, philosophy of life, but I learned through my challenges or those adversities that there was a little bit more to it and that it seemed that there was an element of nature that was actually inspiring me to go beyond just the, the things that I would do to get well, but it, to actually look up and uh, be in awe and be inspired by um, some pretty incredible things in nature. And uh, just to pick up on the, the um, waiting to be in awe, our last uh, guest, which was Dr. Donna MacArthur, mentioned this as just one of the key elements of actually having joy and, and uh, stopping aging in your life is this not only the ability to see it, to recognize it, and then to actually just like look at it in complete reverence. So what are some of your favorite things then, Lori, that you, that you really tap into in nature? Um, at the time that I was suddenly displaced from my, my faculty position, I mm-hmm. realized in the free time that I had while, while seeking employment that I didn't have a hobby, that I was mm-hmm. so busy um, being a mother, being a wife, um, working, running a household, being a friend, being a daughter, being a sister, that I really had lost track of what it was that inspired me. And so I, I came across a flyer about a group of birders near my home. And I'd always been in, uh, delighted by birds. Birds were just sort of my thing. Um, but I never really got to explore it any deeper. And um, I joined this birding group and in, in the nick of time discovered from them that there was an eaglet that had been born for the first time in 100 years, just about three miles from my house. And so as I was struggling with making sense of the human world, I would follow the story of this eaglet, you know, who think about what the eagles have had to go go through from the brink of extinction to be back in, you know, flying high, so to say, right? And so I would follow this eaglet story on Facebook and made friends with some great birders in my neighborhood. And uh, one day I came back from work, and um, this was when I was first getting sick from the uh, toxic mold and the office that I had rented, and I had this deep feeling that it was going to be the day that this eaglet was going to fledge. And so sure enough, my husband and I, we rode our bikes, and uh, we got there in the nick of time, and I didn't realize it was being recorded at the time. She did. She took flight right as we were there, and it got captured and posted on Facebook and YouTube, and um, we had sort of like that double rainbow effect, you know, of, ah, and to see that, to see that comeback was so inspirational for me that it just kept reminding me, just believe something good is going to come of this. Just keep believing. You might not see it, but you got to just keep believing in it. 
And so it was nature that, you know, put me back in touch with that conviction and that expectation. Yeah, that's wonderful, wonderful. And I know that um, you've incorporated that, obviously, into your overall model. In what other ways do you encourage people or you, yourself to engage in nature, to inspire you and to remind you of the meaning and purpose of life? So one of the things that um, I've discovered in, in, you know, wanting to navigate my way through those challenges, those adversities in my life, is that I needed to get practical and pragmatic because when you lose your job, you don't have the money to spend to go to a spa <laughs> or go away for a retreat, right? right so sure. I wanted, yeah, so I wanted to connect with, you know, what was readily available for me. So, you know, I knew about deep belly breathing. I knew about, um, you know, spending time outdoors. I knew about cardiovascular exercise for brain-based wellness. But one of the... Um, discoveries that was just so delightful for me was the fact that right in my backyard on this beautiful planet, if I would kick my shoes off, put my feet in the soft grass, a safe grass, I might add, that I could actually reboot my body's energy through the energy that's emitted from the center of the earth. That was one of the most beautiful discoveries. It's called earthing or grounding. And then being able to incorporate that into my daily routine really put me back in touch with the most basic element of nature, mother nature, you know. And uh, so that's one of the discoveries that I made as well. Is, and I think that that's the way that we need to approach wellness is to make it pragmatic, make it integrated into daily life, not just something you do when you go away, you know, to be to be inspired, but to be find find that that medicine cabinet that's right there readily available um, in nature. It's, I absolutely love that, and it makes me laugh and think of this uh, story. A future guest that we're going to have on is Doctor or is uh, Pete Swales, and he's a body whisperer. And I went to see him because I was having some issue with my arm. And the first time I met him, and he said, uh, "How many high heels do you have?" <laughs> I said, "Well, I have a few." And he goes, <laughs> "I work corporately, right, as an executive coach at that time." And he said, "Okay, so after this appointment, you're going to bring all of your high heels in, and I'm going to keep them in a box, and you need to wear nothing but flat shoes, and to take your yes. shoes off, and, and to go outside." Yes. And be, yeah, so, Leah, it's so funny you say that. After I discovered that, I got I started wearing um, open back shoes and where I could be barefoot. And right. literally, if I've got five minutes between my 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 patients coming, I go outside, I kick my shoes off, I put my bare feet on the ground, and I'll go through my mail. I love that. It's so funny. And, you know, so for uh, those of us who live in, you know, countries or uh, areas where we might not be able to take our shoes off all the time, like I'm living in Canada, sometimes it's snowy. However, I will say that that, you know, if it's good enough for the rest of the parts of the world, uh, just to never say never, to look for opportunities to do just that, to, to kick your shoes off. I love that example. It's fantastic. <laughs> it makes me laugh. It can be that simple sometimes. And that's just a choice, right? Yes. Like, what can I do right now to tap into some of the benevolence of the planet? And it can be as simple as kicking your shoes off, putting your feet in the ground, and just rooting. Yeah. And combine that with some breathing, and it's like recharging oh. your battery. That's great. Um, and perhaps later in the show, we'll ask you to very specifically take us through what that would actually involve. Uh, I know it's simple, but I think it would be good to spell that out. What other aspects of the STARS model um, are important for you? 
Well, I'll tell you, you know, there's this emerging field called um, nutritional psychiatry. I don't like that they call it psychiatry because it sort of implies that psychiatrists are the only ones who are experts in brain chemistry. We should all become experts in brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. And one of the Amen. things I found, yeah. yeah, in our own brain chemistry, right? right. I, I discovered, you know, after I took these hits, these, you know, unexpected, blindsiding, betrayals even, you know, after I took those, I, I felt pretty broken up. And, you know, being a sensitive of soul, it's only natural to go through a grieving process. And while going through that grieving process, I certainly could feel the changes in my mood, in my energy, in my outlook. You know, so we know about thought replacing, and that's an easy one to, you know, watch your thoughts. But one of the things I didn't know about was to watch what I put in my body and how I could actually eat certain foods to try to increase my brain chemistry. You know, that's nature at its finest. That's taking food and using it for medicinal reasons to feel mentally well. And so I I really began to to explore that at greater depth, and we actually incorporate that into our STARS model of teaching people you know, how to feed their brain chemicals. I use the analogy, this beautiful one in nature, of think of your brain chemicals, the four primary ones, as like baby birds in a nest. And like a baby bird in a nest, it needs the responsible parent to go out and get it the right food. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't feed a baby eagle the same food you would feed a baby robin, the same food you would feed a baby sparrow. You've got to tailor it to what it is your brain chemistry is telling you it needs and wants. And so uh, food for mood has become um, one of, I think, the most promising and exciting things about the uh, Stars of Wellness model. That's fantastic. Is there any other spinoffs besides that the uh, nutrition piece helps to balance maybe some mood? Uh, well, another Another thing that I really tuned into as a result of these lessons, right, these catalysts, mm-hmm. these challenges, mm-hmm. was that we as human beings are so influenced by the energy of people around us. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of uh, variations in energy, that's what I'll say. And one of the things that, you know, as I was being spit out of these structures, you know, my work environment, my family environment, my, my um, office environment, I was also beginning to explore the relationship between disparities in consciousness. And the idea that our energy um, is much like water, it runs to the lowest ground. And so I might be an upbeat, optimistic, positive person, but if I'm in the environment with people who are somewhat negative or lower energy, guess what? They don't come up to my energy. I come down to theirs. Mm-hmm. That's just basic physics of, of, you know, sort of social collective energies. And right. so I began to become really aware of who I would expose myself to. And um, lovingly, you know, min, um, put to a minimum um, the amount of exposure I would do to people who maybe were at a different place in their consciousness than I was, without judging them, but also from a place where I could protect or preserve my energy. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, Abraham Lincoln said, it's better to be alone than in bad company. It's probably right, don't you think? I mean, all of us have been uh, aware of being around people whose energy is very negative and being influenced by that. Um, It's it's very very important, and people underestimate the impact of other people generally on their behavior. But certainly, something like this—the energy that other people give out—I think you're absolutely right. 
And, and that's been a really important um, integration for me because as, you know, sort of as a conscientious woman who's courteous to others and cares about people, and I'm in a line of work where, you know, I'm about helping hurting people, I never thought that it would, that I had the right to choose who I was in company with. Until I had this eye-opening experience, I went to, to uh, get my hair cut. And I was really sort of looking forward to that experience of being pampered a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Of receiving some, some pampering energy. Mm-hmm. And a woman sat down to me to get her hair cut by a different, you know, a different uh, hairdresser. And she started talking about all these negative events in life. <laughs> and suddenly I found myself really irritated and wanting to say, could you please, you know, stop? You know, stop kind of spilling over on my, 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 my moment, my enjoyable moment. And then I thought to myself, well, why can't we start to ask people not to share those things with us? Where is it written that their um, verbalizations are more important than our moments of peace and quiet? And so I began to really challenge, um, you know, that sort of nice girl uh, approach to relationships and, you know, kindly ask people either to, you know, just change the subject or remove myself or even ask them, you know, I'm really not interested in hearing that. And that is okay. Very wise, sage words, but how does it feel to actually say that when it's coming out of your mouth? <laughs> you know, you <laughs> it takes a lot of courage. Right? Like, it's really, people get really put off when you ask them not to vent their hostilities. Like, you know, what's wrong with you? And I will say that, you know, when I, I've, I've had to set some limits and boundaries on certain family members who who resonate at, at sort of that level. And I don't think that they like me as much anymore, but that's okay because it's not really about being liked. It's about being well. And what a great distinction that is. Uh, absolutely. Because if you try to be liked by everybody, you will not end up well at all. Right. I mean, that, that is so important. And I think it is something in today's society where people do feel um, very awkward about asserting their boundaries in all sorts of different ways. But I think it's important when you understand that people are potentially having a major impact on your health and wellness, you have an absolute right, a need, to assert yourself. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think, I think it's just- self-responsibility, self-preservation, and, you know, with the stress of life, um, um, reducing the longevity of life, you know, think of that as a minute that you might have given yourself, an hour, um, you know, quantify it, it becomes much more meaningful. Yeah, and it falls into your four points, I think, of taking care of your, you know, social connection and your kind of your psyche or your spiritual, maybe it, maybe that fits into all of the areas um, that you had mentioned earlier. I'm just curious: is there are there any other pieces of the model of the stars model that you haven't touched on yet? So, as spirituality goes, you know, we often think of it as being synonymous with uh, religion or faith practices. Um, but in this model, it, 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 it does it can incorporate that, but it doesn't necessarily have to be about that. It's about a belief in benevolence. It's about um, striving for the best energy that as human beings we can we can create and share. It's about having peace of mind and watching you know the role of those negative thoughts and how automatic they can be, and so disciplining the mind to be much more peaceful. It's also about um, having appropriate love, and love be- 
begins with ourselves. It begins with life. It begins with the planet. It begins with nature. There are so many other ways to experience love other than through human contact, but that's a very important one for us as human beings. And then lastly is joy in your spirit. One of the things that I've um, found in my office is that there may be a lot of very successful people in the um, occupational or um, material world, but they oftentimes feel a joylessness in their experience of quality of life. And that's an important thing to get back, is that joy of living. And so that's, that, those are, I call them the four core values of spirituality. And that's one of the things that we promote as part of our Stars of Wellness model. Well, well said. I, you know, absolutely spot on, Laurie. That's fantastic. And after the break, when we come back, we'll have more inspiration, insight, and intelligence. And uh, Dr. Laurie is going to give us uh, some practical tools, too, when we come back after the break on Master Your Life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co-host Dr. Howard Rankin, and along with my other co-host, Leah Manson, we're here today with Dr. Laurie Mastrogianis, who's talking about her whole person, stars of wellness model, uh, fascinating stuff about nature, about spirituality, about self-care, wonderful stuff. And uh, Laurie, how can people access more of this fabulous information well, we have a website, starsofwellness.com, and it's um, uh, S-T-A-R-S, Stars of Wellness. So that's um, one route. Another would be we're on Facebook, and, you know, like us on Facebook. Um, if people do navigate to the website, they'll be able to find out about the Stars of Wellness app, which is called Blue Star Bright. It uses that same star model to navigate sort of out of the those, you know, places of being... Um, 
down and out in blue and, you know, leading you through the, the whole eight best practices within those four dimensions so that you can get your shine back, we call it, and uh, lift up your energy and feel well again. So of those eight best practices, Laurie, I'd be just very curious to ask, what, are, what do you think are the best ones you know, from your experience? Oh, goodness. You know, I have to tell you if there, you know, so if there was, you know, that, uh, that question that you'll often be asked, you know, if you were on a boat and you could only take one of these eight best practices, which one mm-hmm. would you take? Yes. <laughs> That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the first one because the first one is really what we're all talking about, which is mastering the stress of life. And that, you know, we're all wired in this old primitive fight-or-flight energy that in one-tenth of a second puts us either in attack mode or avoidant mode. And so being able to override that wiring, that fight-or-flight or or stress response, I think is one of the most important um, tools that we have to evolve beyond that old state of consciousness, which is still stuck in that fight-or-flight or denser energy. And so I think it really has to do with relaxing the adrenal glands. Um, training the uh, body out of sympathetic uh, stress response into more parasympathetic calm. Yeah, and, and Laurie, I couldn't agree with you more, but unfortunately what I see in the world today, and I'd be interested in your perspective, I see us getting, people getting less and less tolerant, less and less objective, more stuck in primitive emotion. Is that your sense too, or am I just being old and cynical? You know, I think you're right in that there is an element of that that is really amping up. Um, you know, we turn on the TV right now, and there are all kinds of antagonistic expressions of anger going on. But I think that there's also another element, and we see that after these, you know, these um, catastrophic events, and that's the peaceful people who gather together, who pray with one another, who hug one another. You know, in 20-second hug, you can release a chemical from your pineal gland called oxygen that heals, that helps us to breathe deep. That's actual love energy that we give one another. So I, I see it, you know, I kind of see it as a polarity of both. And the exciting thing is that there is this other element, this peaceful, gentle element that, like you and Leah and I, are saying, hey, let's stop being lone wolves and let's collectively begin to talk about another way of living. Yeah, and I also think that's what's so wonderful about the people who are listening in um, and and coming and downloading stuff. I think there is like an upswell of of people who understand that that we need to live a different way for our own um, for our own peace internally and for the kind of the bigger peace of the world, for the wellness of our families and for our own wellness. So I agree with you, Howard. Uh, I don't agree that you're old, but I'm <laughs> cynical. <laughs> but I do you agree, agree that, that I'm cynical, right? Yeah. <laughs> a realist, perhaps a realist. Uh, yeah, every time we turn on, uh, the, and the more media that we have in our life, I think the more we're turned on to that whole negative, hostile, um, in-your-face sort of thing. And we're we're also wired around all of our homes to have a constant stimuli going off, and none of it's real pleasant, like, you know, the the dings on our washers and dryers and the buzzes and beeps on our microwaves and phones and every one of them is like that. I think it's exactly hitting the point Dr. Laurie said of just like it, it's uh, your first thought is, oh, I got to go. Oh, I got to get that. Ooh, and it's not a like a great peaceful space to be in. So uh, I think kudos to you know the people who are recognizing it and, and also to the people who are role modeling this in their families and thinking about 
how do I not flip off the person who is driving down the highway beside me today? Really, it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is, and that's always an indication of when you're a little bit too cranked up with too much adrenaline, right? <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the most uh, basic tenets that I got when I first started exploring, you know, this area of, of stress mastery or uh, mind-body medicine, um, one of the best ex, uh, expert bits of advice was turn off the news. Do not expose your brain to those images that you cannot get out of your mind. And do not expose your mind to those headlines that are always so scandalous and dramatic. Because once you do that, there's this greater feeling of helplessness and powerlessness and sort of that jaded pessimism that, you know, is being fed into your mind. I'm still waiting for somebody to come up with the positive news report. I would tune into that. I think many other of us would as well, you know. But I had this experience recently where my, my cell phone, I did one of those um, updates, and it automatically put on the um, screen of my phone one of these um, magazines. Mm. And so I now, I, I don't know how to get rid of it yet. I'm not that tech savvy. When my daughter comes <laughs> home, she'll do it. I get those little beings that tell me about all these catastrophic events happening mm. in the world. And I think, oh, my gosh, it got in even when I didn't want it to, Right. Right. And and I think, you know, one of the downsides of technology is to bring all of this stuff into our homes, into our lives. Again, if we let it, uh, you talked earlier about setting those boundaries, social boundaries. I think we need to set those technology boundaries, too, because there are a gazillion sources trying to get our attention, uh, basically to give us scandalous or sensational or horrifying news presented in that way uh, and that's their business um, but we don't have to accept that absolutely and we shouldn't yeah. we shouldn't it's not good for our, our well-being it's not good for our attitudes it's not good for our children it's not good for our energy it's not good for our emotions it's not good for our bodies it's stress so does all that stress almost become an addiction, though, Dr. Lori? You know where you're looking for, and you don't even really understand how much um, you crave the dinging and the binging and the, and the, sensational, the sensational news uh, or sensational um, story feeds. Like, how do you There's break that? There's a change in brain chemistry when we, when we interact with our devices. There is a, a, a rise in the dopamine, that sort of energizer, powerful, pleasurable uh, brain chemical. So it definitely is addicting. And literally, I've worked with people who have had to sort of go through step-down approaches to change their relationship with their devices, their, their pads, their, their telephones. Um, it, it definitely is. There's a, there's a whole physical element to that. Yeah, no question about that. And um, it brings back that whole notion you had earlier of um, you're talking about devices, and I'm thinking of plugging them in each night to recharge them. And you were talking about us plugging ourselves in to natural energy earlier. Uh, and I'd love to have you take us through that exercise of, of how do we plug in to natural energy and recharge. Very good. So I, I, I like to call this um, uh, rooting because think of a tree, a tree that grows tall and beautiful and flourishes. What we can't see is what's taking place below the surface of the earth 
And that are those deep roots that are drawing up the nourishment from the planet, from the soil, from the water, so that it can, you know, flourish. It can, it can be beautiful. And so rooting is a really, really practical and um, inspirational, natural, cost nothing but just the element of time um, exercise. So it goes like this. What you would want to do is find, if at all possible, a peaceful place in a natural environment, an environment that's safe, that's very important. Uh, we don't want there to be, you know, um, um, uh, glass or, or snakes or bugs, right? You know, none of that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's about finding a natural environment that's safe. If you don't have uh, green grass or soft sand, um, find some concrete that's not been painted because cement that hasn't been painted is also a beautiful conductor of that energy field that's emitted from the center of our planet. And so find that place, either stand gently like a tree or sit in a chair with the soles of your feet on the ground. That means you actually feel gravity, you feel the grass, you feel the sand, you feel the concrete against the skin of your feet. And that's a really important element to experience what's called the umbrella effect, this rebooting. You have to take your shoes off. It's the rubber in the soles of our tennis shoes or our flip-flops or our, our high heels shoes, like you talked about, Leah, that, sh- that cuts off this, this natural rebooting. So you've got to be barefoot. So put your feet on the ground and then just settle in. Take a moment to take a deep breath and get in touch with your belly, breathing diaphragmatically, breathing yoga breath, as they call it, or um, conscious breath, breathing in your belly. And one of the ways to know if you're doing that is to put your fingers together on your belly, just below your, your belly button. And if your two middle fingers are touching when you inhale, they'll then spread apart. And then as you exhale, they come back into touching one another. That's to know if you're doing the right kind of breathing. And when we're stressed out, we tend to do shallow breathing from the top of our, our lungs or our chest. And it's this deeper belly breathing that has a natural way of shutting off our adrenal glands and helping us to relax. And so feet on the ground, breathing deeply, and then say something inspirational. Say something benevolent to yourself. One of the simplest affirmations is, all is well in my world. All is well. All is well in my world. And it has a way when we, when we tap into that that energy of changing our outlook, of changing our own uh, sense of well-being. And so it's using those, you know, uh, when I was a kid I always heard the the saying, in my uh, religious upbringing, the kingdom of heaven lies within. This is the simplest form to tap into that. And so I, I love it. I, I, an acronym is BBC, and Howard, you can appreciate that from your, your English roots, right? Uh-huh. Breathe. Believe and channel, and channel that beautiful energy that's available to each of us to root and recharge. And that's one of the most basic ways we can reset, relax, and be uplifted. That is an absolutely wonderful exercise, Lori, and so simple, I think, for people to be able to, as a takeaway, we talk here often about how important it is to turn ideas into action. 
and that really nothing changes until something changes on the physical level. So the idea of the belly breathing um, and the idea of going outside, both take an idea and move it right into action, and it's something that can be done just so uh, quickly and simply. You know, As soon as somebody gets home from work or on a lunch break or before they head out to work in the morning, or they can take their kids out and stand on their back grass and do it together as a group. You know, So there's so many ways to say yes to this particular exercise. It doesn't require a pen and paper. It's just something that can be uh, so healing and just really, really fast. We talked a little bit um, just about what the optimal time is, and you had said that uh, being able to do it for four or five minutes would move you from a half a bar to one bar. What would be kind of the ideal? So the science behind earthing recommends 30 to 40 minutes if you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of mothers, uh, teachers who are off for, for summer break, and, you know, they're with their kids out in the backyard. And I say, you know, just sit with them. Let them go play in the pool or do their thing while you're sitting there. Maybe you're, you're paying bills. Put your feet on the ground. Take a moment to breathe deep. Channel. Say some positive things to yourself. Really incorporate it into the busyness of your day. It will shift the energy of your day. And we've incorporated these elements into the app as well. So if anybody wants to sort of find some practical ways to integrate these little bits of, of wellness wisdom into their daily life, it's right there in the, in the uh, Blue Star Bright app. And there's more information about that on our website, Stars of Wellness. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I personally feel, have found that deep breathing in many manifestations. I haven't tried this, I don't think, in the formal way that you've talked about it, but deep breathing unquestionably is the thing that has helped me the most in get-centered and turn off the fight-flight syndrome when I've needed to do that, for sure. And uh, I love the idea of combining this with nature. So when I was going through the the gauntlet, as I describe it, um, I I was inspired by something that Albert Einstein once said, and it kept it kept um, inspiring me to keep pushing beyond the pain of my my broken reality in those moments. And Albert Einstein said that the single most important question we all must answer in our lifetime is whether or not you live in a benevolent world. And I think all the concepts that we're talking about help us to know how to create that benevolent world, not to wait for it to happen, but to make it happen. And I think that that's the difference for people who are happy in this day and age. Well, I think that's true. I mean, I think that distinction between waiting for something to happen, this is where we came in with Leah talking about her parenting challenges this weekend, Mm -hmm. that difference between waiting for something to happen and deciding to go and make it happen is really critical. Right, Leah? Absolutely. Yeah. And and so so thank you so much for your time today, Lori. We just uh, love having all of our guests have just been so insightful and give our listeners to such great tools that they can take home and change their worlds. Um, So thank you again, Lori, for joining us. Thank you for having me. You both are so delightful. Well, thank you. So are you. (laughs) Thank you. creating benevolence (laughs) insight (laughs) inspiration and intelligence we hope you'll join us on our next episode of master your life have a great week everyone thank you for being a part of our show today master your life with leah mattinson and dr howard rankin can be heard every tuesday at noon eastern time and 9 a.m pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel 
Now, go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.